It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. The Runout Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research was born from the cold, snowy womb of the Alaska Range by climbers up against some of the harshest conditions in alpinism. Since those days on the edge in the 80s, OR has committed itself to creating apparel and gear not just for keeping conditions at bay, but for making sure you have fun and look good along the way. Beauty and function are two guiding principles at OR. The result? Gear you can count on during your deepest adventures and most satisfying journeys. Check it all out at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. Today's topic is the Dawnwall movie. The film premiered way back in March at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. By most accounts, those folks lucky enough to be in attendance were awestruck. But then the movie just disappeared. It almost feels like yesterday, but it's been over three years since Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen completed the first free ascent of the Dawnwall route on El Capitan in Yosemite. The ascent was as famous among climbers for its audacity and difficulty as it was infamous for the media circus that surrounded the climb. The mainstream media interest in the final ascent was unprecedented, but the climbing community had been witnessing a struggle lasting seven years. In the intervening three years since the climb, the mainstream media has largely moved on from the story. While in the climbing community, What's Your Dawn Wall became something of a meme. First inspirational and now solidly satirical, though no love has been lost for Tommy and Kevin. Tommy in particular has stayed in the spotlight and recently cracked a two-hour speed barrier on the nose with Alex Honnold. Also, in the intervening years, the Dawn Wall saw a relatively drama-free and quick second ascent by Czech phenom Adam Andra something the mainstream media completely ignored. In fact, the U.S. climbing media seemed somewhat nonplussed, despite the fact that Andra deigned to even practice much in Yosemite before dispatching the route in what amounts to much better style than the first ascent. Go figure. So what happened to the Dawnwall movie after its premiere in March? A couple festivals we've never heard of on the two coasts, and then a screening for industry insiders at the outdoor retailer trade show in Denver, Colorado, and not a peep otherwise. Josh Lowell and collaborators are keeping their cards close to their chest about its wider release. Though rumor has it, the public might see it this fall. Nevertheless, our own industry insider, Andrew Bisharat, was at the premiere in Austin and feels like it's hot time for a review of the film. I'm Chris Galus, and this is The Runout. This is a premiere episode of The Runout Podcast, something that Andrew and I have been talking about and I've been thinking about for years and we're going to we're going to plop another podcast into the giant ocean of podcasts or this, this is a a practice run one of many practice yeah, runs they're all going to be practice runs but <laughs> you know you set up a project like this and you start talking about it and there's like I don't I mean you're a writer Andrew at some point you have to like release it into the wild mm. and you can talk about it ad nauseum and do practice ones that nobody ever hears, but at some point you just have to like let the fucker go out the door, you know, and put it out to people and, and see what happens. And podcasting is perfect for that. So, so the idea is that we're going to talk about relevant topics or newsworthy stories in the climbing world. We're going to be doing it with our good friend, Jen Fleming, who isn't with us tonight. I think she's on some kind of honeymoon retreat. Yeah. Or she, it's, I don't, anniversary retreat with her main squeeze 
Is that right? Is it a, is it something official like that? I think so. I All thought right. that it was like an yeah. We'll get the lowdown when she gets back to town. Yeah, but uh, yeah. But right now we have some important stuff to talk about. Do we? Um, <laughs> well, uh, we have some big news, I guess, uh, which is that the Donwall film was released and premiered at South by Southwest, and I got to go down there and check it out for the premiere. And um, that's what we're going to talk about today. One thing that sort of surprised me, actually, just off the bat, was that I was on the impression South by Southwest was a music festival. Is it grown to the point of just all media? Everybody wants a piece of of Austin and South by Southwest now. I didn't know what South by Southwest was. It's something I'd heard about, but it's a it's a big festival with different realms of media, from the tech world to the business world to mainstream media from like this American life to CNN. And, and it's basically panel discussions where people talk about different topics. And there's also a film component and there's also music, I believe, but it, it just kind <laughs> I of, I mean, it was originally music. Like it, that's it, all it was. Yeah. yeah. Like so, just bands at all these venues, like everywhere on the street, in bars, in clubs and trying to break. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. All types of media and ideas and, just like a big convention or gathering of some kind. And it's kind of dispersed throughout the city. There's no real hub. It's not like going to the trade show or something like that, where there's just one room where everyone gets together and talks. I was there just for about 24 hours or maybe about 40 hours. And I just got to see the film and that was it. So I didn't get to go to any of the other stuff, but what capacity were you there? How'd you get I didn't get invited. Um, or maybe I, was, I did, and I just didn't go to it, my PO box or it's, something. It's kind of funny. the The team at, um, actually, well, Josh Lowell, the director, put my name in the hat for someone to come and review or write as about an influencer. the influencer as an influencer. And here we are. And yeah, <laughs> and uh, he and and they uh, put me in touch with uh, Red Bull, the Red Bull Media House, which funded the film, and um, so they brought me down. And they also brought the New York Times writer, John Branch, down. Right. He's the guy that broke it kind of to the mainstream back uh, in 2015 when they did it. Exactly. He's the dude that suddenly blew it up. He He's the reason in some ways that the Donwall became the Donwall. So uh, I the context is I get a message from this guy, from John Branch, saying, hey, I think that we're going to be staying together in an Airbnb with John Long. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, an hour later, he he corrects. He was like sending me a Twitter direct message. He corrects it and he says, actually, it's James Lucas, not John Long. <laughs> He's the modern day stone master, though. So that makes sense. <laughs> that's James Lucas. And I was like, well, James Lucas is much quieter than John Long. So that's good for us. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was a it was a really fun really weird crazy weekend with interesting people and but the highlight of course was the film and and that's what we're going to talk about well i read your piece online um at evening sends and also you know your media your twitter while you were there and just how stoked you were on this film you came out in i think a slightly uncharacteristic way because i think uh, at least when i read your stuff i always expect there to be at least some downside to whatever it is you're no offense <laughs> whatever well, it is you're I, talking about but you, it sounded like you were pretty amped on this film 
Well, the last big project that Sender Films and Big Up put out was the Valley Uprising. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a piece about that that was slightly critical. And I think Pete Mortimer was upset with me about it, but we're good friends or whatever, but he he didn't like my review. Yeah, but there were things to be critical about. I mean, it was a great That's, film, yeah. but, but you know, there was just like some glossing of yeah, point taking. Yeah, I, anyway, I, I I thought the film was amazing. I was I came out just so stoked and really blown away by how good it was. So why isn't it just climbing porn? Like why is it? It's a story that like it's, it's a really it's a really riveting story of two people. Really, it's about Tommy. It's Tommy's story, and Tommy has an amazing story. And you forget just how incredible his life has been. If, um, you know, just being a person who's saturated in climbing media for the last 20 years or whatever. I mean, this is a guy who's been kidnapped by terrorists in Kyrgyzstan, sawed off his finger, returned six months later and did the Salafé in a day. Has been at the top of the El Cap free climbing game for the last 15 years. I mean, he had a very public breakup with his wife. And he had a very public breakup with Beth Rodden. and, And so he's, you can't make that shit up. Like that's... If if I were to write a book about a guy who was kidnapped by terrorists and then went off to become a world famous rock climber, it would sound like the cheesiest Hollywood rendition of like a climbing film. But this is real life, mm-hmm. and I think that was what was so incredible about it and so powerful for people, most of whom were at this, uh, who were at the premiere. As far as I could tell, were mostly not climbers, mm-hmm. who were just absolutely blown away by what not only what climbing was but how but who these people were right and the lives they lead and the 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 emotion that they that they bring to their their sport and their passion it, it, it like blew people's minds it was cool to see the film and how well done it was and it was also cool to see people's reactions to it who had no uh context or understanding about climbing prior to seeing this film I think as climbers, we have a lot of pride in in who we are and what it takes to do what we do, even if it's just cragging, you know? And and it's funny because there's this paradox of, at least for me and maybe my generation, and, and I think it still exists in climbing, of, of both desperately wanting them to understand exactly what you said, like how much passion, how much drive, you know, even your average just climber person who obsesses incessantly about when they're going to climb again and how am I going to work my life around climbing and all that sort of stuff. We want the mainstream to, or, or, or people who don't climb to understand it, but we also kind of want to keep it to ourselves as this like cool subculture, like the, you know, the whole, if you have to ask, you'll never understand kind of people that we are. Or, you know, the, the Mallory thing just always comes back around, you know, climb it because it's there. So do you think it represents us well uh, in terms of putting us out there or does it overdo it? I mean, the thing that's so cool about the Donwall story is that it's not Everest porn. It's not riddled with questions of ethics of Sherpa's dying. It's not free soloing, mm-hmm. which is such a rare part of the sport. It's, Two guys who are trying to free climb a a route, which is what most of us try to do when we go climbing, whether you're aid climbing or free climbing or whatever, you go out with a partner and you try to give your best performance possible. 
What's so cool about this story is that it is complex and it is explained in this film in a way that people get it. They get that people are trying to free climb a pitch and they understand what that means and they see the gear and they see the ropes and they they see that the grades are difficult. And Josh and Pete, they did an amazing job explaining those details in a way that people got it at the highest level and it didn't get bogged down with all of the nuance of trying to explain some of these really complex notions of what the sport is. And so I I think that most climbers have always been a little self-conscious of the idea that anybody can understand what it is that we do because it's it does take a lot a big vocabulary right. and a lot of complex understanding. I mean it's of, the hand and feet issue that came up <laughs> when this was going on, right? Yeah, they're using just their hands and feet. You know, that's was the running joke within climbing circles. Yeah, of and like I the and I was down way of trying to figure out what it is we're up to up there. As the journalist for the for National Geographic stories on the Donwall at the time, that was my go to phrase for explaining what free climbing was mm-hmm. to differentiate it from aid climbing. And so, but it's accurate. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it sounds stupid to say it that way, but it's like right. It's well, you and I, even back then, you know, we do these, we talk about it and like these thought experiments of how do you explain it in 45 seconds? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's a pitch? And why is it that they get to stop and hang on the anchor? And who's doing what, when? And it felt so complex, but you feel like it existed in this film in a way that the complexities were just understood or... I thought so. I thought it, they did a good job with that. And um, I talked to Josh Lowell. We were at a party the night before the film premiered and he was setting me up for the what I might find critical or what he was concerned I might have a problem with. And that was one of his big concerns was how if he went too far in explaining what grades are, what a pitch is, how it all breaks down. But I thought they did a really good job. And, and a big part of it was the use of graphics. So you hear uh, John Long is the narrator and he, he gives like a, a very high level like garrulous description of what climbing is and you see it on the screen with graphics that show pitches i mean they get into just the the whole part of tommy exploring the wall trying to find where the free climbing goes i mean consider how difficult that is to try to explain to someone but to see the this three thousand foot cliff on the big screen and you see like where the little pitches of free climbing might be and how it, you know, this one gets eliminated, this one comes in, and then it all links together into this free route. You do a really good job of explaining that. The The big crowd pleaser during the film is Kevin, I think. He, he actually steals the show in some way when he sends, uh, finally sends pitch 15, which becomes this big epic for him. And that was, you know, the moment where the audience is just going nuts. But yeah, I think at the heart of it is just this really heartfelt, emotional story of a guy, Tommy Caldwell, who's obsessed with this project and comes out, you know, on top. You know, I haven't seen it yet, which is kind of the way we're playing this right now, because I haven't, it's going to start touring around festivals and being, you know, coming to your town soon type of thing. So I'll see it eventually. The Norma Cast doesn't rate a trip to uh, to <laughs> South by Southwest. So you hear that? 
The Enormacast should rate a trip to something like this. I mean, shouldn't I? Yeah, the Enormacast should have a panel. I, I, I mean, I it, seems it, right, like, right, it right, seems like should, I should be on the list. You should be opening for Ira Glass or something. Exactly. Yeah. So, But anyway, I don't yet. So I'll see it with the rest of y'all coming up. <laughs> but, you know, I always have these concerns because I'm an old crusty guy that, you know, I want all the success in the world for Tommy Caldwell because he's, he's a prince. He's the nicest person. Um, I I have a long history with the guy and uh, his whole family is, I mean, there's no one out there who represents climbing like Tommy Caldwell and, and Becca and their family. So not, I do not want to take away from them, but I, I always have these concerns or this old school idea of like, why do we have to sully the temple with bringing the masses into our wonderful little thing that frankly, doesn't always benefit from more people getting involved. I mean, businesses do. I suppose the Enormacast does in a way. <laughs> I mean, this is hypocritical. I, I understand. I, I, I'm completely aware of that. But there's emotions and there's intellect. And my emotions are sometimes like, you know, do we really want millions of people to get excited about climbing on El Cap? Or what is, is this going to like I, ruin climbing? You know, one little chunk at a time so to speak what are you afraid of it's like anything i like the exclusivity of what we do like i said in the beginning i i want people to sort of understand it but at the same time i'd i just assume it was like shrouded in mystery of of who we are and what we're up to like it's kind of always been or at least it was for for the first 40 or 50 years of rock climbing in the united states you know these i mean e- even in in josh and, and peter's movie that you talked about earlier like the mystique of it of this weird subculture that was just groveling around in the dirt underneath the tourists. That was the mystique of the golden age, you mm-hmm. know? And I guess that's it. It's the mystique. So I guess my question is, is sort of the, is the mystique disappearing and is that a good thing or is it a bad thing or does it matter at all? I mean, yes, the sport's becoming more mainstream and yes, more people are getting into it. And yes, uh, more people are just going to be aware of climbing. But I think that's a good thing, and especially in the context of this story, this Donwall film, because, I mean, could you imagine a better representative for climbers than, like, Tommy? I mean, such a good guy, and he, I think that you rarely hear stories of people like him in in the mainstream media now, and so I think that's something that's positive. Um, but what's interesting is how we, as climbers and media climbing media people hold ourselves back in so many ways because we don't think that the sport is uh can tra- can transcend to like the mainstream and that's something that josh Lowe was telling me about was you know he's just been like psyched to do his like real rock tour and like kind of preach to the masses and to the audience that he's built through the real rock but he saw how meru was successful jimmy chin's film and that won the Cannes Audience Award and went, you know, it's on Netflix and was in theaters. And you actually could tell a real, you know, a real true life climbing story. And people will go to a, a theater, buy popcorn and sit down and watch it. And mm-hmm. I think that was kind of eye opening for him. And that's kind of after seeing that he dove, I mean, he went full into doing the Don Wall as big as he could. And I think that he succeeded. I think that we're just at the start of what, of how climbing stories could potentially become like this new genre in, 
you know, in Hollywood, in the mainstream film uh, world. See, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. That makes me like, oh no, don't let Hollywood try again. You know, like, but the, you don't just never like done it. But the but the but it's not Hollywood that's doing it. Right, it's like real climbers, and that's what's so. Oh, cool. they'll they'll get their hooks in it and fuck it up. They will at some point. Yeah, for sure. Again, yeah. but well, let me ask you one last kind of perspective piece because. I think the hallmark or one of the hallmarks of climbing and therefore climbing media is this idea of authenticity. You know, we in climbing want our athletes and our heroes and everything else to represent themselves, you know, as honestly as possible. And, you know, there's a whole, I don't know if you will call it industry, but vibe of trying to find out what really happened if, if and, and if we feel like someone's representing themselves even slightly in error, then we just jump down their throats. And I, and I've mentioned too, like, you know, the, the sponsorship thing has always been this crazy problem in climbing that just like skating and snowboarding and all these other sports don't have, you know, a, 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 a snowboarder can plaster themselves in patches and, you know, guzzle Mountain Dew or monster drink or whatever they want and no one cares. But if a climber were to do that, you know, we'd, we'd march them out into a field and like bury them. Right. So I think that's changing though. It is changing. And that, I guess my question then is basically like from a climbing, a pure climbing standpoint. And, and as far as the way we know the story went down, you know, these movies can a lot of times like, Oh, we'll cut that part out and not really talk about this that Mm -hmm. happened. And I mean, does it represent the climb from an authentic standpoint? I think so. Yeah, I think it does. And the, the other thing I wanted to say about it was that people have been criticizing this whole film process because it's literally three years to mm-hmm. the day that they sent the route. I think that they've like finished their final cut of the film. Right. And, you know, it's like, what? I mean, come on, guys, like pick it up. Like, yeah, what, what have you been, been doing? doing right? You know? <laughs> and, uh, but in some ways it was kind of, it, it it, I think it played to an advantage because I had forgotten so many details of the story. I think if I'd seen this film like a month after they sent the route when it, we were in full Donwall saturation mode, I wouldn't have been as moved by it. Right. But coming back to it three years later, I was like, wow, that was a really special time. And the fact that it hasn't happened like that since then, I think makes it even more special. So I think that... In, uh, so if you, if you, I guess what I'm saying is if you're one of those people who've been, you know, chomping at the bit, writing angry hate mail to <laughs> Josh Lowell, that hopefully it, it's been worth the wait. The other thing that's hot on its heels, I think is, is, uh, or will be hot on its heels is, is Honold, right? So I was sitting right in the same row as Jimmy Chin and he's the director behind this, uh, you know, Jimmy Chin <laughs> behind this new film on Alex Honnold that is going to document his El Cap free solo. I mean, a testament to the, how good the Donwall film is, is that Jimmy walked out of that theater looking a little bit dazed, like, holy shit, I have to follow up on this now. Um, and I'm sure his film's going to be amazing, but it, I think it, he was blown away by the power of this story and if i had to make a prediction i don't think that the honold film is going to be as moving because it's just it's no no fault of honold no fault of jimmy it's just less of a deep rich story right than the don wall where it's about partnership it's about all this history that dates back to 
Tommy's youth and then through Kyrgyzstan, through his divorce, through there's all of these elements to it that just make it uh, worthy or just interesting on this like very deep level. So, but who knows? I, I I'm I'm really curious to see how how Alex's film is going to stack up. I think the one omission is just the fact that Andra has done the second ascent of the Donwall, which isn't touched upon at all for obvious reasons. It yeah. just like kind of undermine the the idea of this being a very difficult, hard thing to accomplish. And the fact that some random dude from the Czech Republic showed up and <laughs> climbed it relatively well, that's easily. Like a, well, it's, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because then, you know, we suddenly, we step way back into climbing. Yeah. You know, and what I mean by that is that you, you just said to some random dude from Czech Republic. And of course, all the climbers are like, what are you talking yeah. about? It's Adam Andra. But again, outside of climbing, yeah, he's just some random dude. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, let's face it, it would detract a bit from the, the, the story, you know, again, as, as, a, as, a, as a mainstream element that, yeah, then, you know, a year later, was it a year? two years i think maybe two years yeah year but anyway half, year yeah. year and a half whatever this other dude just shows up and does it you know so but it's also a very climby thing the second ascent all that stuff is now we're getting well, way th- into the weeds you know i think it just i think the the takeaway is that the dawn wall was like a freak event that i don't think it's ever going to happen like that again and if it does it's going to be something that is that we just don't expect you know, people were calling the Don Wall the Yawn Wall because Tommy and Kevin had been working on it for so long. Mm-hmm. And it just was a dud of a story until it got picked up by the New York Times and blown up and everyone wanted a piece of it. And so how that, you know, virality, you know, viral media, whatever g- gets made, it's like, who who can guess like what the, what the, you know, the kismet that needs to happen in order to make that, make something you know, uh, become that viral story again. So I think it's like worth appreciating just as like this freak event that doesn't necessarily speak to where the direction of where climbing is headed. So maybe you can rest assured, Chris, and your blood pressure we'll just can go creep, down. That will creep back under the rocks that we live under and, <laughs> exactly, and yeah. everyone will forget about us. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was just kind of like a random special moment in time that has... Uh, has now been immortalized in a film. If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast. Or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com.